Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. We are continuing on in our our kind of series in Romans 8 at the moment, and we're looking at if we're walking with the Holy Spirit, how does this affect the different areas in our lives? And we've spoken about how it affects our, our freedoms, our identity, the hope that we have. But if I'm honest with you today, I, I struggled this week with coming up with this sermon. We got the, the notes as we usually do, and they were great notes, but they didn't really kind of click in my head. And so I turned to my studies, I got all my commentaries and my books out, I looked at what the, the passage was saying, and I, I learned some good stuff, but again, nothing that really gelled. And so, more so than I usually do, I had to spend a lot of time this week just on my knees before God saying, God, what do you want to say on this topic? And I think that's not too bad a thing to do when the topic is prayer. So I'm quite lucky in that. But I was praying into it. And to this preach, it's probably a little bit different to my usual style. And this is really more just kind of the meditations that have come out of my time of praying with God and saying, God, what do you want to say about the Holy Spirit and prayer? And I think there are, there are three key areas that kind of jumped out in that, the way the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayer lives. See, the first way he helps is that he intercedes for us. Now, intercede is one of these weird words where we kind of all think we know what it means, but we don't really use it much. And really, to put it simply, to intercede is to speak on someone else's behalf. So if I'm in court because I've done something wrong, my lawyer is interceding for me. He's speaking on my behalf. And so the Holy Spirit speaks on our behalf before God. But it's interesting, it says he intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, first of all, as I've been praying into this, I don't believe that the wordless groans are the Holy Spirit's groans. I think they're our wordless groans. And I think the term wordless groans is is not necessarily literal. It's not necessarily kind of like a groan. But it's this kind of catch-all term to include any time we come before God and we're not sure what to say. So maybe you're going through a difficult situation and you don't really know what the answer is. You don't know what to pray for. That would be a wordless groan. If you come to God with just a whole bunch of emotions that you can't quite put into words, that is a wordless groan. And what happens is the Spirit actually moves through our wordless groans. Those times we come before God and go, I don't know what to say. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit begins to intercede for us that what he does is as we bring all this stuff to God and go, I don't know what to do with this. I can't make sense of this. The Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to organize it. He begins to make sense of it. And then he brings that before God. And I think there there are kind of two key areas that we can partner with this really well. The first is being silent in prayer. Now, I don't know if anyone's tried this, just spending time in God's presence, not saying anything. I really struggle with this just 20 minutes of not doing anything. I love planning. I love to think, oh, I could be doing this and I could be doing this. The idea of just not thinking, not really saying anything for 20 minutes, I really struggle with. And I really struggle with it afterwards because after the 20 minutes is done, I'm like, well, what did I do there? What was that about? But the Bible talks a lot about being silent. Psalm 46 says that we need to be still and know he is God. And when we be silent, it gives room. We're not kind of putting our agenda on our prayers. 
We're not putting kind of our words and our structure on our prayers. We're just bringing it all before the Holy Spirit and going, I don't know what to do. And it gives the Holy Spirit just this space just to move as he wants to, to organize things as they need to be organized, to make sense of them and bring them before God. We had a lecturer last year at Mattersea called Peter Kavanagh. And Peter's an incredible man of God, a, a real expert in all things spiritual, both in the academic but also in the, the practical. And I remember talking to him about this, saying, Peter, I want to kind of spend more time just being silent before God, but I, I struggle with it. it just don't, I don't see the point in it. And he said that it's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do when we're not really aware of it. And he gave an example of a time he'd had a, a kind of a bit of a bust up with one of the, his fellow lecturers. And it was an argument that kind of can really break friendships. And so they both went away just angry and frustrated and didn't want anything to do with the other person. And he said that in his time with God, he decided, I'm just going to be silent. I'm going to bring these wordless groans before him. And so he sat for, I don't know, half an hour, not saying anything. And after the half an hour, he was like, well, I don't feel any different. I didn't achieve anything. But he said the next time he saw that colleague... Something in him just broke. And just immediately he just felt forgiveness for this person. He just went over and he apologized for all the stuff that he'd said and the hurt that he'd done. And they were able to kind of repair their friendship. And this is the power the Holy Spirit has when he intercedes in us, that it has this work that he's doing inside of us that we may not see, we may not feel, but just taking time just to be still, be silent in our prayer time, just gives him that space to begin to, to move without our agendas. I think the second way we partner with this, and it's the exact same thing really, but it's speaking in tongues. I find that when I speak in tongues, what's happening is I'm taking these wordless groans, these things I don't know how to explain that are going on in my soul, and I'm just giving my soul a voice, that it's able to speak out in stuff that isn't human words. I'm not shaping them, I'm not controlling them, but I'm verbally kind of expressing everything that's going inside. And again, the Holy Spirit can come along and organize these things and begin to work on them. And this is personally the, the way I spend most of my time praying. It's how I prepare my preachers, that I will go away, I'll do all my research and stuff, and I'll fill my head with all this knowledge. And then I'll go, right, God, what do you want to do with all this? And I'll just spend time just praying in the Holy Spirit. And then I'll come and sit down to write my preaches. And it just seems to flow effortlessly. Because I've taken time to let the Holy Spirit just begin to order things in me. And then again, when I get, a kind of, I get stuck and I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do this bit. I just stop. I go away. I spend 20 minutes just praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. And then come back and things just flow more naturally. When we let the Spirit intercede for us. When we have these times where we let these wordless groans come forth. It begins to really make an impact in our prayer lives. The second way that the Spirit impacts us is that it gives us boldness. To, uh, to put this, this week's passage in, in context, in verse 16, it talks about how the Spirit testifies that we are children of God. Howard spoke about this, the difference between a slavery mindset and a, uh, a slave mindset and a adopted child mindset. And then kind of Paul takes a slight detour to explain what does it mean to be a child of God? How in the beginning, the kind of creation was made for, for the children of God to reign over. That was the intended way it was meant to happen. 
And then in the Garden of Eden, we kind of rejected that. We gave that away. And so in that time since, all of creation has just been waiting with expectation, groaning almost with childbirth, waiting for the children of God to return to their rightful position and reign. This is what Olivia was talking about last week, the hope that comes with this. And so we come into our passage, and it says, in the same way. And it's reporting back to how the Spirit kind of testifies that we're children, and then an explanation of what it means to be children of God. That it's in the same way that the Spirit testifies that we are children, He helps us in our prayers. Because there's a boldness when we come to know that we are children of God. The Spirit testifies that there's an inheritance that we have. We have a right that we can come before God and we can ask for things. This isn't, we're not kind of begging, we're not having to pull strings. We have a right as children of God to come before him and ask God for things. It's the power of knowing who God is and who we are. One of my favorite examples of this, though it doesn't necessarily link directly, is, is Moses in the Old Testament. That God had brought his people out of Egypt, brought them out of slavery, and he brought them to, to Mount Sinai, and he sat them down and said, look, if I'm going to be your God, then there's things that I expect from you too. If I'm going to kind of provide for you and support you, then there's ways that I expect you to live. And so he calls Ma- uh, Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses kind of nails out the contract. It's a little stone tablet pun for you there. Um, <laughs> But as this is going on at the top of Mount Sinai, the people of God are at the bottom of the mountain. And if there is anything rated 18 in this preach, this is the bit. Because the people decide to party. So the drink begins to flow. The sex begins to flow. They start making a golden statue of a a calf, a baby cow. They begin to worship it. And so Moses comes down and God's like, no, this is quite literally the opposite of what I've asked you to do. Like, quite literally, you couldn't have gone more wrong. And so God calls Moses back up to the top of the mountain. And he says, look, Moses, I've had enough. These people are clearly not going to listen to me. They're not willing to be my people. So step to one side, because I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to destroy them, and then I'm going to make an entirely new nation out of you. And we get this incredible moment where Moses kind of steps forward and goes, God, don't do this. You're a loving and merciful God. This isn't who you are. If you, look at, if you do this, the other nations are going to look at this and just go, well, this isn't a loving God. This is a violent God that can't look after his people, so he's just destroyed them. God, don't do this. And so God relents, and he doesn't destroy his people. This is the power that we can have in prayer when we know who our God is. Now, this passage can often cause problems for people because they're like, whoa, it looks like God's changing his mind. And I want to be clear, I don't believe that God changes his mind. He's not a fickle God. It's not like one moment he's like, oh, I'm going to destroy my people. And then a couple of days later, he's like, oh, actually, I've changed my mind. They can stay. But one thing he has committed to doing is moving when his people pray. And that's not because we have any power over him, but that's the commitment he's made to us. When we pray, he will move in response. And it's interesting when you, when you read it, because God says to Moses, Moses, go away, I'm going to destroy these people. And Moses doesn't go, and God's not angry. And it's not said explicitly in the text, but it's almost like God's testing Moses. He's going, Moses, do you know who I am? 
Do you really know me? And if so, are you going to stand before me and ask me to be who I am? Because that's exactly what Moses does. He appeals to who God is. God, you are a loving and merciful God. Do not do this thing. This is the power we have when we know who God is and our relationship with him. This is why connections like Dom and Sam's are, are so great, because it reminds us, actually, this is what we believe, that the, the Christian doctrine connection, what is it that Christians believe? The more we understand, the more we know this stuff, the greater confidence it gives us in our, in our prayer lives. I, um, I used to work for my church back home, and uh, I was probably 20, 21, and I wasn't driving at this time which was incredibly difficult because my job really needed me to be getting out to different places. I needed to go to schools because I was the youth pastor. But all the schools weren't really in walking distance. I had other churches that I was serving at that were kind of like 20, 30 minutes down the road. There were kind of youth retreats that we were going to. I really needed to learn to drive, but the issue was I didn't have a huge amount of money. And I got to the start of the year, and I remember going, God, I need to learn to drive. I need to begin driving, but I can't afford to both learn to drive and get a car. And I was like, God, you've called me to this job. I know this. But if you're calling to me to this, you need to provide. So I said this to God. I was like, God, I'm going to spend the next three months saving up money, and I'm going to pay for my driving lessons, but you need to pay for the car. And I didn't ask. I look back, and I'm like, ooh, that's, that's bold. Um, but I didn't. I said, God, I will pay for the driving lessons, but you're going to pay for the car. And for three months, I just prayed this. I just stood on this. I was like, I know that God's called me to this place. I know this is what he wants me to do. So he needs to provide. And uh, the three months came and went, and I had enough money. So I was like, right, this Friday, I'm going to uh, book my lessons. And uh, that Wednesday, I had someone come up to me and go, do you, do you need a car? Because I've got one spare, and I feel like, God's telling me to give it to you. And now three years later, the little Ford KA that I'm still putting around has, has served me well. But it didn't happen because of anything I did. It wasn't really because I prayed hard or anything like that. It's just because there was a faith that came with because I knew. I just knew. I knew who God was. I knew what he wanted from me. And I was like, he's a good God. He's going to provide. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. He testifies to this this, uh, relate, this kind of right that we have. He testifies to this fact that we are children of God. We have an inheritance that is ours, that we have a right to claim on. But interestingly, he doesn't just kind of testify to the right we have as children of God, but he also testifies to the relationship we have as children of God. As a, a student that lives quite a bit away from home, I spend a lot of time around other people's houses, staying in their houses for the weekend. And when it's the first kind of couple of times I've stayed in a house, I'm a little bit tentative. The relationship's still fairly new. And so I'll be kind of like, oh, would I be able to have a glass of water? Where's, where, where's the toilet? Could you point me to the toilet? Because it's, it's new. You, you, you don't want to push that relationship too much. And then there are other homes that I've been to quite a few times. And I have a good relationship with the people there. And to, in those homes, it doesn't really matter if they're in or not. I just help myself to, into the house have a look at what's in the fridge, put my feet up on the sofas, watch some TV. And, I, and what is interesting is I don't have any more right to those things. I don't own them. It's not my house. I'm a guest in that house. 
But while I don't necessarily have more right to them, I do have a greater relationship there, a greater confidence, a greater boldness, because I know the relationship that I have. And I think maybe one of the reasons why we're not as powerful in our prayers as we want to be isn't because we don't intellectually know the rights we have, but because we're not living out the relationship that we have. When I was younger, and I mean, this is, a lot of this is, is still true and still stuff I have to work through, but when I was younger, I would um, kind of, you know, fight as we all do to try and get a little bit of time with God. And I remember kind of sitting aside some time and I spent 20 minutes reading my Bible and 10 minutes praying. And so I'd get to the end of that time and I'd feel guilty. Because I was like, ah, oh, I feel like I should have probably spent 10 minutes reading my Bible and 20 minutes praying. Anyone else been there? Yeah. Well, even though you've actually carved out the time to spend with God, you still feel guilty. And so a couple of weeks later, I kind of found some more time to spend with God. And I was like, right, this time I'm going to spend 10 minutes reading my Bible and 20 minutes praying. And yet I still, feel gu- still felt guilty because this time I was just kind of rushing through the 10 minutes of my Bible and I didn't really feel like I was digging in deep. I've got a few kind of nods and we've all been there. And so then a little bit further down the road, I was able to carve out more time. So I was like, right, I'll spend 20 minutes praying, 20 minutes reading my Bible. Best of both worlds. Except this time I felt guilty because while I was praying, I was just kind of talking to God. I wasn't really praying for people. And there's lots of people that need praying for. And this is the world that we get trapped into. But even when we're doing good things, we feel guilty about it because we feel like we're not doing it the right way or whatever it is. And it all just comes down to we haven't understood the relationship we have with our Father. We haven't understood that he just loves us and just wants to spend time with us. He's not judging us. Those of you that have children, particularly probably of that age where they're kind of doing their own thing now, I'm sure you're not really that fussed what you talk about when you get to spend time with them. It's just the fact that you get that one-on-one time with them, whether it's about school or friends, or whether it's just that rare time where they want to kind of cuddle up. That's what God is like with us. All he wants is just to enjoy that relationship with us. He doesn't want, to feel, he doesn't want us to feel kind of overbearing. He doesn't want us to feel guilty for trying our best. We had a, a woman back home, and I, I always remember this conversation. She told me that whenever um, she needs new clothes, she'll just pop down to the charity shop. But as she's walking, she'll be praying to God. And she'll say, again, a little bit like me, she won't ask. She'll just say, God, I could really do with a new dress. So if you could just provide a dress in my size, preferably red, that'd be great. And as she's telling me, I'm like, God, this is proper cheeky. I don't know if I'd have the boldness to speak to God like that. But she says, God has not failed her yet. Every time she walks into a charity shop, there is the very thing in her exact size and her exact color that she has asked for. When we understand that the relationship, that love that God has for us, we'll be bold in the prayers that we ask. We're not going to be holding back. We're not asking, oh, could I just have this little bit? We're like, God, can I have this whole thing here? This is the, the, the benefit that the Holy Spirit brings to our prayer life. One last example before I move on. I was home this kind of weekend, and uh, my dad was telling me about his new greenhouse. And he was, he was down at his allotment a couple of weeks ago. And he was thinking, oh, I could really do with a, a greenhouse. And then instantly, the guilt kicked in. Because he was like, oh, God, actually, I'm, you've blessed me with so much, I really shouldn't be asking for more. 
He was like, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s and I'm semi-retired. My mortgage is paid off. I've got a great wife. My family are happy and healthy. I was like, actually, I should just be happy with what I've got. If anything, I'm a little bit like the, the Israelites in the desert. I'm just groaning about what I have got and complaining that I don't have more. And so he kind of apologized to God. He's like, sorry, I shouldn't be so greedy. And got on with his whatever he does. It's allotment. 30 minutes later, 30 minutes later, someone walks up to him. David, would you like a greenhouse? <laughs> 30 minutes later. Says, there's someone just literally just around the corner, two minute walk, that's moving house and needs rid of their greenhouse. Would you like it? And so that's like, ah, uh, wow, yeah, yes, please. As they're having this conversation, five people at the allotment over here and go, oh, David, we'll happily bring it over for you if you want. Within an hour of my dad asking for a greenhouse and then feeling guilty about it, God had put a greenhouse in his allotment completely free. God's not a stingy God. He is a generous God that loves his children. And we need to let the Holy Spirit remind us of this, encourage us this, and then grasp hold of it. Last point. The Spirit aligns us with God's will. See, as I've already mentioned, God will not go against who he is. If we ask for something and it's not the kind of God he is, he's not going to give it to us. And the frustrating thing it is for us so often is that God does know better than we do. He can see a lot more than what we can. And too often we can spend just time and energy and, and effort praying for things and not see it happen and getting frustrated at God. And it's because God never wanted us to have it. He's got something so much better for us to have. And the Holy Spirit brings us in line with the will of God so that we, our prayers are matching his desires for us. We know this because it says that the Spirit knows the will of God. This is why spent time being kind of silent and speaking in tongues with God is so useful because we're, we're not putting any of our agenda in at all. Yeah. We're not forcing our will on the situation at all because we're not speaking. We're just bringing everything before God and letting the Holy Spirit begin to order things and align things to God's will. And it can be very frustrating, particularly when we're going through difficult situations because we're like, God, I just want out. I just need out of this. But sometimes that's not God's will for our lives. And obviously God's will is, is different for each person. He's got a different will for, for each of us. But one thing that will always be consistent it's as it says, is that we're conformed to the image of his son. It will always be his will for us that we become more and more like Jesus. And so this is one thing we can always hold to in our prayers. God, how can you make me more like Jesus? A perfect example of this is in Acts 4. Jesus has, has died, he's been resurrected, and now he's, he's gone back up to heaven. And the disciples are going around telling people how great Jesus is. And then a group called the, Sadduce the Sadducees come along. They arrest the disciples and say, look, you need to stop this. We can't have you telling people about Jesus. We helped kill him. It's not going to look great on us. You need to stop talking about it. If you don't stop talking about Jesus, we'll make you stop. And so they threaten them, and then they let them loose. And so the disciples go back to their fellow Christians, 
and they kind of give them an update on what happened, and then they start praying. And what's interesting is they don't start praying, God, protect us from persecution. God, keep us safe from these people that want to do us harm. God, stop us from getting arrested. The thing the disciples pray for is, God, give us more boldness to speak what you've told us to speak. The guys have just been arrested for speaking boldly. And yet their focus is, God, we want you to give us more boldness. And this is the kind of prayers that we need to start really taking seriously in our prayer lives. That when we're going through difficult situations, our thought isn't just primarily, God, I need out. God, I need you to to get rid of all the people that don't like me, get rid of all the difficult situations, make my life easy. The question is, God, how can I be more like you in this situation? How can I learn and grow to be more like you in this situation? Because that completely changes the game. Rather than if, say, there's a person that you're kind of clashing with, rather than praying, God, deal with them, get rid of them, we're going, God, how can I change? Do I need to be more patient? Do I need to be more kind? Maybe I need to speak peace rather than be speaking bitterness. As we start allowing ourselves to become aligned with the will of God, which more often than not is just to be conformed to the image of our son, his son, not our son, it changes how we pray. It changes the focus of our prayers. And I believe it will change the impact that our lives will have, both on, this, on those around us, but on this community as a church. So the Spirit intercedes for us. He gives us boldness in our prayers. And he brings us a line in line with the will of God. Now, it seemed amiss to me to be talking about prayer and not to leave a little bit of time to, to begin to work some of this out. So the band are, are going to come up. We're going to open up the front, but we're not going to have a time of kind of we're praying for other people. This is an opportunity for each of us to work out our prayers with the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's a, a point that I've made that particularly resonates with you. So maybe there's some wordless groans that you need to bring before God this morning some issues, some situations, some emotions that you just don't know what to deal with. And so you're just going to come before God, maybe in silence, maybe in tongues, whatever works for you, and just say, Holy Spirit, work on this situation. Maybe there's some areas where you need to step up in boldness, where you need to reaffirm and redeclare for yourself, I am a child of God. I can ask boldly because my Father wants good things for me. And so I want you to use this time to really be thinking for yourself, what do I need to be stepping out in? What does God want me to have? What haven't I been asking for? And then finally, there may be some in this room where you need to just come back in line with the will of God. Where maybe there's been situations where you've been wrestling and been trying to kind of force your own agenda, force your own way, and God's just like, no, just take a break. Come back in line with me and let's walk this thing together. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.